The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. G'day everyone, Mecca19 here. And this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, coming to you live once again on Port Fan Radio. Look, uh, Rick's unavailable tonight. He's still probably celebrating with the boys after the game. Um, so we've got two guests on tonight. Uh, the first is El Scorcho. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. good. Thanks for having me on again. Happy to be here, uh, replacing Rick, sort of. Hopefully I get to uh, toss the coin at the next home game. Uh, as per <laughs> That's it. Question, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, there's no uh, faults like uh, last week. No, that's right. That was that was pretty bad. We had, we had a lot of really top quality discussion that no one will ever hear. <laughs> Best podcast so. ever, and no one's ever going to hear it. What a that's shame. right. Such a great. <laughs> yeah. That's it. And the second guest is Robin. G'day, fellas. Uh, how you going? Good, good. Before we start, Raman, you won our tickets for the locker room on the weekend. Um, do you want to give us your thoughts on the locker room experience? Oh yeah, look, it's um, uh, you know anyone who's who's kind of read about it probably knows what they're in for, but um, it's uh, yeah, it's really cool just to get that view. You you get in there, uh, I think um, it was open about an hour, an hour and twenty minutes before the game started, so you just see uh, you just see some of the boys wandering around in the warm up area, all kind of casual, uh, usually with the headphones on, just basically piss fighting around and having a, a nice relaxing time, and it's really. It's really fun to watch how um, the seriousness of the room uh, just slowly escalates as you go on, and uh, by the time, you know, by the time it's ten minutes before ten minutes before game time, everybody's, you know, crashing into each other, and and uh, poor old Sam Gray was uh, wrestling Ollie Wines. Uh, <laughs> which was pretty unfair. I don't know why they couldn't have matched him up with Jake Need, but yeah. <laughs> but you know, good luck to him, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, once you get over the uh, the inherent creepiness of the of the whole experience of watching uh, everybody through the uh, through the one way uh, glass, um, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a hell of a thing. It's I'd recommend it to everybody. So it's literally Sammy Gray's fault that Ollie Wines did his shoulder. Yeah, well, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah we blame it on Sammy Gray, so why not add that to it? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Well, look, let's get on to our love and hate, which is one thing we loved, one thing we hated about Port Adelaide this week. Um, Scorcho, mate, might start with you. Uh, I'll start with the love because I have that prepared. Um, yep. This is this probably is going to uh, cover a little bit too much, but I'm just going to say in general how well all the fringe players played. Um, so yep. if we look at guys like Young, Moore, uh, even O'Shea, uh, Calhoun, Mead, uh all those guys, even Sam Gray had a, had a fantastic game. So uh, all these guys who usually we just see the, you know, the rotating in and out and we complain a lot of weeks about how there's not a lot of core changes apart from maybe the dropping of Broadbent and, uh, and Jonas, these guys just rotate around, but they all had games where it's going to be really difficult to see any of them be, uh, be dropped. And that's, yeah. that's what you really like to see. Um, I guess I'll highlight need. Um, he just seems to, in the last couple of weeks, have learned a bit about uh, to, to have learned a bit about being that crumbing forward that we really want to see from him. And he always puts a lot of pressure on, but he just seems to be able to find his find some space in uh, in the Ford 50, which is fantastic. Uh, bagging himself two goals. So uh, obviously there hasn't been a, a great defensive effort from um, from the last two teams we've played. But you know if he can start to find that space against good teams, he becomes a very dangerous player for us. So that'd be my love. Absolutely, good call. 
And your uh, height? My height. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, probably similar to the one uh, we we had last uh, – I said last week, and I'm not sure if it got through before we cut out. But uh, just basically that um, – the, the season's over and there wasn't a lot of sting in that game. And I wish I could have enjoyed that game more than I did. And uh, I think there was a lot of talk about the ne- negativity on the forums. And I think most of that stems from the fact that we couldn't have done that against Carlton or Brisbane because that was probably the most enjoyable game, you know, on the face of it to go to all year. We just played them off the park. Great pressure. Skills were pretty good. You know, we had leading forwards, marking, kicking goals. We had, you know, a goal of the year from, from Westhoff and, and yeah, it's just all kind of uh, behind that is the frustration that we're now effectively out of the finals race, and um, you know it's just a shame it took us this long to get into this kind of form. Yeah, good call, mm. Raman. Oh, for the for the love, I think um, the thing that stands out for me the most from this game is probably uh, Hamish Hartlett's game. Um, yep. Yeah, yep. I just. Uh, I mean, he's had better games for us. He 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 didn't, um, you know, he didn't impact the scoreboard much. But um, just uh, he he just shows glimpses. I know he played at halfback, but he just is showing glimpses of being that Rolls Royce midfielder that we always hoped he could be. And um, yeah, for some reason, it's just uh, it was yeah incredibly heartening with him and and O'Shea just uh, having games which. Uh, yeah, just show you just just how good they can be, and yeah, Hammer in particular, um, just just blew me away with that game. He's been good for a few weeks, don't get me wrong, but yeah. um, it was more in, um, uh, yeah, more the numbers added up more this week, I think, and uh, yeah, look, if we can start to see some uh, kind of consistency coming into his game uh, next year, because you know, like uh, Scorcho, I've pretty much written this year off already as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, it just uh, it just shows what an enormous asset he can be, um, particularly given you know relative to how how maligned he is um, among much of the the fan base. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. No, his outside game was brilliant. He just found a lot of the ball on the outside, and he did some good things inside as well. But yeah, I it, it, I think even in the crowd, people were noticing how well he was playing. I heard some comments around where I sit where people were talking about how impressed they'd been by him. So great call. Yeah. 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 It's normally the other way around. He's normally yeah, that's right. the first guy to cop it, apart from Jasper. <laughs> um, as far as the hate goes, um, this is kind of selfish, but I hate the hangover that I've got at the moment, thanks to <laughs> uh, literally like two days in a row of, of free beer from the Port Adelaide Football Club uh, <laughs> at, at Albany on Saturday for the Club 1870 event and um, and yesterday in, uh, in the, um, the locker room and as I mentioned to Macca before the show, I actually lucked my way into a corporate box for for the oh, second for the for, for uh, from the second quarter onwards. Uh, in addition to that, so um, yeah, it, it wasn't pretty, and things kind of continued on after the game. And uh, here I am today, and I've only just started to feel vaguely human again in the last couple of hours. <laughs> Crazy, love it. Mm. And uh, look, my love is a four quarter effort. Fantastic. For the first time this year, we played well for four quarters. We won all four quarters and didn't really give the opposition a sniff at uh, getting back into it, apart from maybe a 10-minute period in the second quarter when we, we just couldn't seem to get it out of the back line. But outside of that, we, we dominated pretty much from go to woe. Um, and as we've already said, guys like Hammer, Brody, O'Shea, uh, Moore, Young, Sam Gray, all the players that have been criticised for their consistency throughout the season played their best four-quarter games of the year as well. So that was um, really fantastic to see. Um, and the hate, I've got to say, it's the negativity towards the win, especially on big footy. I mean, current yeah. guys, you know, 
Best win for the year, most consistent win for the year. I think at times like this, when the season's over, even though it's uh, been a bitterly disappointing year, given um, the expectations that we had, I think you just need to enjoy the little things when they come along. And, you know, to win like that, um, even though it wasn't against a great opponent, you know, it was just enjoyable to see us play that sort of footy again. Yeah, and you say it like, I mean, you're right that it's not against a great opponent. And, and I, I can sort of understand the uh, too little, too late attitude that, that a lot of people have. But, I mean, what what can you expect to see uh, other than improvement at this at this stage of the season? And, I mean, yeah, St Kilda aren't a great team, but, you know, they're, they're a better team than Carlton and they're a better team than Brisbane. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, we, we, we won very comfortably by, what was it, 10, 11 goals. And, um, you know, that... Again, they're not a great team, but they also didn't. They also didn't lay down and die. They they were tryers. They um, obviously they screwed themselves over in front of goal and stuff. But um, they they were making an effort, and for most of the time they were putting a fair bit of pressure on us. So I don't know how you can be unhappy with that result. Yeah, you're almost absolutely. damned if you do, damned if you don't at this stage yeah. of the year. I mean, if we won by ten points, people would be going, "Oh, how crap's this?" You know, we can't even beat some Kilda by you know more than ten points. You know, if you lose, then it's just an absolute nightmare and you win by heaps and people just say well you know where was this 10 weeks ago you know so you're kind of damned if you do damned if you don't now we, we spent uh, i guess five years there just expecting to lose every week and expecting to get smashed and all of a sudden we've uh, had you know a season and a half of good footy and where you know our standards are a bit too high i think hopefully uh, hopefully they'll stay high based on the footy we play but yeah I, I think that probably explains the negativity and that's the only real reason you could be negative really about as, as you say, our best four-quarter performance of the year. Um, everyone playing well. That's it. Before we move on to the re- uh, the review, I guess the um, the most important thing to talk about is Ollie Wine's injury. Um, as we mm. kind of touched on a little bit earlier, you know, it looks like he popped his shoulder in the first quarter, came back on for about five minutes. Um, I think he, he popped it out again, and you know, the club sort of called it quits there and then. Um, it looks uh, possible, even probable, that he might miss the rest of the season. Um, what do you think will come out of this in terms of um, sort of player structure and, you know, do we bring back in Archie or, you know, does someone like Moore or Young um, take that spot on full time? I think you really hope that Archie comes back in. Uh, I think he should have been in anyway um, over someone like a Gray, given his uh, his ceiling and what we've seen from him. But it gives someone a really good opportunity. You know, uh, Ollie, as young as he is, is still uh, an integral part of our side. So someone like Archie, you know, given that Moore and, uh, Moore and Young both played this week anyway, uh, it, it gives someone like Archie, hopefully, uh, you know, whatever, six or seven games, however, we got, however many games we've got left in the season to to really stamp their place. And I hope they leave him in and, and give him a good run. Um, you d- I, I don't care whether Ollie is good to come back in round 23, unless we are winning to make finals, uh, wrap him in cotton wool and get them ready for yep. next year. Yeah, uh, I, I think we're, yeah, I, th- I think, I don't think anything's coming of this year. So anyone at this stage gets a, an injury that might be a three or four weeker, just get them ready for the preseason, I think. So um, we don't need to be risking our uh, Rolls Royce at this point of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty devastated to be missing Ollie for the rest of the year, but you know it's the best thing, uh, best thing for it. And yeah, I, I completely agree. To me, it, bringing Archie back in is just a no-brainer. And uh, yeah, hopefully leaving Aaron Young in as well because we just have looked better when we've had those those broad-shouldered types in the middle. Yeah. To go with that, it looks like uh, Logan Austin's um, been put on ice uh, for the rest of the year as well with shoulder surgery, so um, he might have a uh, a partner. Um, <laughs> With the shoulder surgery pretty soon, I reckon. 
Yeah, I've really liked Austin's year in the games I've seen so far. He just moves really well for a defender. Um, yeah. Just a real kind of smooth mover. Reads the play pretty well. I think overall, I think we did pretty well in that um, in that draft given the picks we had, and uh, Austin was a big part of that. Uh, he's probably, I, I guess Palmer's probably been the most impressive in what I've seen. But Austin, you know, just being that he's got a good size about him, and you can see him slotting into our defence in uh, in the next few years uh, quite well in the way that he moves the ball and the way he reads the play. No doubt. Well, let's uh, move on and talk about the review. And obviously, Port had one of its best wins for the year, winning um, against St Kilda by 63 points, um, 17 goals, 10 to 6 goals, 13. Uh, Chatty Wingard once again led the scoring with four goals, whilst uh, Jakey Need, Matt White, uh, Jay Schultz, and Justin Westhoff kicked two goals each. Um, as we said before, first four quarter game of the year. Got to be happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we just smashed them off the park, and I, I think I read on the AFL website that uh, the score flattered St Kilda. Or sorry, flattered us, and I think it, it flattered St Kilda. If anything, we should have beaten them by more. We were uh, we just in control of the game for four quarters. Um, it, I mean, even when they had that period of us struggling to get out of defence, I think that's just modern footy, and I think you find just about every team would struggle against every team at some point in the game. So I don't worry about that too much as long as we. Uh, make him pay on the on the way back, and it's just a really good four quarter effort. There was a you know uh, we won in the midfield, won in defence, won in attack. You know uh, we won all over the ground for four quarters, and that's all you can really ask. Yeah, I guess if you're being really stingy, you could call it a three and a half quarter effort. We were that that second. There were some bad signs going on in that second quarter that I thought, oh god, what the hell's going to happen here? But um, yeah, luckily we put we put that behind us pretty smartly, um, which was good to see. Yeah, that, that call that it was, um, you know, flattering. I mean, that's just oh, the that's opinion what... of someone that didn't even watch the game and just read the scoreline yeah. and saw that St Kilda kicked six goals, 13, and gone, oh, well, if they kick straight, you know, it would have been pretty close. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the run of the game wasn't like that at all. And, you know, we missed just as many pretty simple shots, I reckon. And it, it seemed to me like St, most of St Kilda's misses all came from sort of like, you know, pings from 50 or from the boundary and, yeah, they they weren't likely to go in. Whereas you know, Justin Westhoff missed one from you know ten meters out, dead in front. Paddy Ryder did the same. Yeah, you know, we missed some pretty easy shots as well. I think uh, if you look at, especially last year, we used to get criticised and we used to criticise our team for for kicking inaccurately. But we did a lot of the same. You know, we lead to the pocket and we have snaps from the pocket or set shots from really tight angles, and then wonder why we're kicking straight and say, oh, if only we kick straighter. But you know, you can make a team. Uh, miss a lot by making them take tough shots and that's what we did our pressure was brilliant uh we controlled the middle of the ground which meant they were taking shots from tight angles and, and not always but they, they didn't have a lot of really easy shots to get in so in those misses uh if you think maybe they could have kicked another five there's still five goals behind us but uh they would have been kicking goals they probably didn't you know weren't percentage kicks because of the pressure we were putting on. And I think the same thing kind of happened to us last year uh, when we were kicking inaccurately. It wasn't that we were uh, we were missing easy shots. We were missing tough shots, and teams were forcing us to miss tough shots. Mm. So I think that's pretty much the way it went. That's it. No doubt. Well, look, I think it was a, a game for the unsung heroes, as we, we kind of talked about before. And I want to sort of mention them sort of one by one, and you know, might as well start with Sammy Gray, who you know had probably his career best game. Twenty touches, a goal, had three goal assists, um, something like four clearances as well. I think the the best part for me was that he he often um, started further up the field, you know, either on a forward flank or on a wing, and even spent um, considerable time around the stoppages um, as well, which was uh, which was pleasing, and it was great to see him um, you know perform. 
Absolutely. I think if he plays like that every week, you, we wouldn't be complaining about him being in. But no, that's probably the, the only other the only other game he's played close to that was his debut, where he where we yeah. thumped Brisbane by a hundred points, and he uh, he got on the end of some some good play. Was I think this game he probably created a bit more himself than that game. I think that game he was just. Uh, on, you know, did well on the back of everyone else kind of getting him the ball. But this was a really positive game. And that's the sort of game that uh, you want from your second-tier players. And, look, if he if he starts stringing games like that together when he gets his opportunities, you know, it's going to be uh, very hard for those of us who have been uh, anti-picking him to, to make those sort of arguments because that was a fantastic game. Uh, and, yeah. and you won't get any argument from, from anyone on that, I don't think. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, I, I guess, you know... Uh just to play devil's advocate here, we, we were saying similar things about Kane Mitchell earlier in the year where we were saying like he, he finally looked like maybe a, a, a decent shot at a first-choice player, but our, our opinions kind of turned around a little bit after that. So, yeah, I'm still I'm still pretty unconvinced. I mean, I, I know, um, you know, it was certainly a better game than the Brisbane game, which, you know, if, if memory serves me, he was pretty much just tied to a forward pocket in that game, wasn't he? And just pretty much, on. yeah. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah he... You know, he 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 put in a, a great effort, and um, and and you can't knock him for it. But I, I still don't see him as a as a future best twenty two player. I, I suppose. Well, I mean, I think he's he's played what twelve games now, and we're talking about one game where well, two games where he's played well, and both games have been dominating victories. Uh, and one and one of them was just getting on the good work of others. So we're talking about one really influential game. And I mean, when I say influential, I mean by standards, probably not compared to some of the other influential players on the ground. But one solid game out of twelve. Um, you know, and I, I've been on the forums a lot lately, complaining about how we're selecting players and 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 wasted selections and things like yeah. that. Um, and, and this is a good example of it, really. Uh, look, he he will get. I'm sure he will get more opportunity. Uh, and if he does, I hope he takes it again like this. But I would, you know, if, if we dropped him for Butcher or Harvey next week, I certainly wouldn't be complaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get the feeling that uh, maybe Kenny Hinckley's just sort of said to him, you know, show me what you've got, prove to me that you're worth, um, you know, either redrafting or, or getting a spot on the senior list for next year. But why doesn't he say that to some other players? Because <laughs> they're already signed up, <laughs> oh, I'm guessing. I mean, that, that's the opinion that I've got. And it was interesting to hear Kenny Hinckley say after the game, yeah, I didn't think Sammy Gray could play like this. I've had my doubts as well, so it was good to see him play um, this well. So Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that he, he says that and despite having picked him 12 games and he doesn't think he can play uh, a good, solid game. Like, why is he picking him and not picking... I mean, I, I guess a lot of the argument, again, made on the forums this, this uh, last you know couple of days has been about um, picking guys who are in good SNFL form but don't necessarily translate into good... Uh, AFL players and look you can't argue with the selections of the likes of um, Gray and uh, say Paul Stewart on the back of their SNFL form because they've been really good but we already know what that translates to at AFL level and you know it doesn't why don't we try someone like a like an Archie who's played what one full game this year um, uh, in those kind of roles because maybe they've got a higher ceiling and you know I think a, a bit of it is uh, what I was complaining about last week is that we're still saying, oh, there's still a chance of finals and we might scrape into eighth, so we've got to play our best team. And mm. whether we're even playing our best team by doing that, I I, I doubt. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's a, a bit of a wasted development opportunity, selecting the way we're selecting. The other side of that coin about the SNFL form thing is that um, we finally saw O'Shea come back and, and play a pretty decent game did he ever actually show any decent SANFL form? I don't. I don't think he did. I think he was just 
selected again on the basis of his of his previous AFL performances. So um, yeah, there is it, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a furphy because the SNFL is just so difficult to compare side by side with the AFL, and we all know that there are some players who will perform. Uh, well in one and not the other um, and vice versa you know um, it, as weird a phenomenon as that is um, O'Shea's a great example of one of those guys who just never looks at home in the sandfall and yet can look a million bucks in the AFL yeah absolutely yeah. I, I still reckon they're, they're sort of saying to Sammy you know show us what you've got because like him or loathe him he's almost there you know he dominates the SNFL yeah. he shows some glimpses at AFL level if it sticks for him and he becomes a very good player, I mean, you give him that sort of opportunity, and, and maybe this is you know the the landmark moment for him, and maybe next week he'll he'll continue this sort of good form, or maybe he'll regress and you know forget how to kick again, and you know be yes. that sort of player like he has been in the past. So I think it's just a case of them sort of saying you know we've got to make a decision on Sammy Gray because he we can't sort of give him another year on the rookie list. We've either got to redraft him as a rookie or we've got to add him to the senior list. So. Like they've got to make a bit of a decision, and I think that's what they're trying to do at the moment. Um, I guess the next player who, um, who's who been criticised reasonably heavily this year as well has been um, Andrew Moore, who I thought had another great game, and you know, he had 20 touches and a goal, and you know really sort of took on that sort of inside mid-roll once uh, Ollie Wines went off the ground and, and you know, played a pretty bloody good game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't argue with the stat line. Uh, 20 touches at 80%. Uh, five marks, uh, five clearances. So he's, he was getting it inside and out. Kicked a really nice goal. And, and that's the sort of game we want to see from him. And he's got, got that big body that we like. And it's just about, you know, uh, you know translating that uh, that SNFL form where he, he kind of looks like he belongs at SNFL. Oh, that's the wrong way of wording it. He looks like he knows that he's a good player at SNFL level. But yeah. he gets to yeah. AFL level and he's a bit timid. Um, yeah. Today he wasn't. Maybe it was because we were playing quite a young St. Kilda side and he looked at them and thought and sized them up and thought, I'm better than half these guys and I'll play like I am. So, you know, we almost need to just insert the brain of, you know, like a, a Josh Franco or something like that into him. Um, a player that knows he's good and then watch him flourish because he's, uh, you know, he's definitely got some ability. It's just about him believing, I think. There's a really good game from him. Yeah, I have to admit, I've been pretty much on, pretty on the fence about Moore for a long time and I... Um... Uh, I flat out did not in a million years expect him to actually kick that goal for, for some reason like what it was a set shot around 40-ish yeah. remember yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I thought yeah just our, our more type players just you know players in that kind of class of will they won't they just have not been kicking those goals this year so yeah he kind of won me over by nailing that and just yeah having having a having a pretty solid game altogether um yeah like you said he just he's just starting to look like he belongs yeah Aaron Young's another who uh had a very good game 21 touches I think he had half a dozen clearances as well and yeah, it was really good around the packs, and you know his sort of quick kicks forward, I thought were, were pretty decent. And again, he had a couple of goal assists and, and played pretty well. Yeah, just got involved. Uh, that's that's the kind of game I, I guess. You know, we, we used to say he was a super sub because he'd come on as a sub and look really good. But then when he played full games, he didn't, I guess, look as good. This yeah, game was yeah. a game where he, he played well for the the whole time he was on. I felt, uh, I felt, and and looked like he belonged uh, alongside the other midfielders there. So yeah, again, uh, same as more if he's if he's going to start to believe and, and play that sort of footy, um, he's definitely got a place going forward in our side. Yeah, there seem to be more people and young people when it comes to. Um... I, particularly the Port fans on on big footy, um, the, the, the thing it's almost that makes, like Twilight. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> Steve Jacob, by the way. Um, <laughs> the, thing that, the thing that makes me slightly a young person is, is um, as you just said, he, he just looks a little bit more dangerous up forward um, when, he, when he manages to find himself down there. Um, as we know, we've used him in more or less a forward role a couple of times before. And, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's looked at home a little bit, uh, little bit better um, than more for a few games this year, despite you know, some fairly shitty form when he has gotten the full game. But, yeah, it's, it's really heartening to see him um, really putting his hand up. Yeah, I think Moore's more consistent. I think you know what you're going to get with Andrew Moore, and that's your sort of like 14 yeah. to 18 touches, maybe a goal. Um, he'll you know, lay a few tackles. He might um, waste the ball a little bit. With Youngie, he's either going to be, you know, one of the sort of best five or six on the ground, or he's going to be absolutely horrid. So yeah. I think that's probably something for Aaron Young to work on. And, you know, I think he's contracted for next year as well. So hopefully that's uh, something for him to work on in the preseason and, and try and add some sort of consistency to his game because his best is absolutely fantastic. Mm. Uh, he just he's got that ability, especially in, in tight games, to to step up and and just win a clearance where uh, where he probably doesn't deserve to do so. He's got really good hands in the pack, uh, Young. Um, and I, I guess I guess with Young versus Moore, although I, I don't like to equate them because I think they're different players, and we, we could we, there is room for both of them potentially moving forward. I think uh, you know if you were if you were a goal down uh, with the centre bounce, you'd want Young in the middle. Uh, if you were a goal up, you'd want Moore, just because you're going to get that consistent level from Moore, whereas Young. Young's more likely to pull something out and win you a game, I think. So, but look, I, I think there's room for both of them if they can step up and start to believe a little bit. Yeah, Sammy Cahoon, he was the sub. He came on pretty early, obviously when Ollie Wines uh, was subbed out at quarter time. And you know, there seems to be some mixed um, opinions on his game. I thought he was pretty wasteful and sort of burnt the ball a little bit. Other people thought he was really, really good. What were your guys' thoughts? Oh, eighty-five uh, percent disposal efficiency. So I know that's a bit of a meaningless stat, uh, yeah. given he's playing across halfback. So, look, I, I thought he came on and did it right. He gets himself involved, uh, Cahoon. Um, 20 touches in three quarters is really good. And he just seems to read the play pretty well. And I guess that shows why we rated him pretty highly before the draft and why he was rated highly and why we ended up uh, being happy to get him. Uh, he does find the ball pretty well. I agree with his his uh, his, his kicking at its time suspects and maybe misses opportunity. 85% looks good, but maybe he missed opportunities that he could have taken and kicked to a contest which we lost or something like that. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think overall he's pretty good. He, he just needs to work on his, uh, his delivery, I think. Yeah, I feel a bit the same about um, about Cahoon as, as as I think most people seem to feel about Jasper Pittard. Um, like when Pittard when Pittard gets the ball, you know something disastrous can happen. But I never panic because I know that you know even in the worst case scenario, it's at least going to be funny. <laughs> True. Um, but uh, yeah, with Sam, I guess I, I guess I'm a bit the same. They they're both um, both fairly cerebral players. You can see them thinking a lot when they're out there. And um, and so yeah, I kind of do have the panics on a bit when uh, when when Sam gets the ball, but yeah, he's I, I put him like he, I think he certainly looks to me more of an AFL player than than Sam Gray, for instance. If we're going to talk about the uh, uh, the widgets on our list, um, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm still very much on the fence when it comes to Sam Cahoon. 
I think if we look at uh, AFL halfbacks who make errors uh, that cost goals, I mean, even the best of it, we saw Hodge during uh, during the week. I'm, I'm not sure if everyone saw that, but uh, getting a ball smothered, kicking out of defence uh, with pretty much an open kick from a from a from a free kick or a mark. I'm not sure what it was. Uh, and then Delidio went back and kicked it over his head for a goal. So yes, uh, yes, it can happen, but you know, it, it even happens to the best. So yeah. if you, I think you persevere with that if you think, you know, as you say, that was a really good call that they are cerebral and they they think. That's the kind of thinking players. Uh, and hopefully those are the kind of players that can step up and, and do things that other players can't do moving forward. So I'm happy to, to persist with players like that uh, in the hope yeah. that they come good rather than persisting with players like, uh, for example, Sam Bray, who I think uh, probably this sort of game was their ceiling. Well, where do we see Hoon's role going forward? Like what sort of position do you think he might make his own if he does make it at AFL level? A halfback wing type role, I guess. Yeah. Um, he's, he's not big so enough a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people sort of expected, particularly early on, that he might take over Kane Corn's sort of tagging role. But I just don't think he has that sort of um, consistency or or maybe toughness in him to play yeah. that sort of inside role yeah. that he would have to play. No, I agree. I think he's definitely more of an outside uh, run player. If he's going to be competing, I think he's going to be competing with you know the ball coming in as opposed to at stoppages and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. But he does. I mean, he's as as uh, Roman said, he's a he's a pretty intelligent player, and uh, maybe maybe he could learn to be that kind of player. But I think move, you know at the size he is at the moment, um, I don't think he's capable of playing that inside role. He's not big enough. It's the same reason Sam Gray, I guess, can can look like a gun inside midfield or SNFL level, but it's not worth putting him in there because he just gets brushed aside by even average-sized AFL midfielders. That, yeah. you know, if, if those guys both put on 15 kilos, then maybe we'll talk, but they're probably just not big enough to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I thought a half-back line was uh, fantastic. Um, you know, Hartlett playing across the half-back flank, as we spoke about a bit earlier, was, um, was a really good move, and it was great to see him sort of attack the ball and... It almost seemed like he didn't really have any sort of opponent for the day, so you know that sort of certainly helped his form a bit. I thought Brody was fantastic across half back as well, and O'Shea was back to his intercepting best. Absolutely, uh, I think Brody's been pretty good all year. I think he was, I was annoyed when he was dropped, and I think he was really harsh to be dropped because uh, I, I think he he looks less impressive when someone when they put a player on him. And I think what the, the pattern with Brody has been that uh, he'll dominate and play at all Australian level halfback for a few weeks. And then teams will think, oh shit, we can't let him do that again because he's been dominating. And they'll put a player on him maybe like a like we would put Monfries on someone uh, and that'll quieten him down a little bit. But uh, then you see Pittard step up and that sort of thing. So having a few damaging halfbacks like that and, and hopefully O'Shea can step up and be a more full-time part of that would be good. But, you know, Broadbent just showed what sort of player he can be. And, you know, I, I yeah, I would never have dropped him when he got dropped. Um and, and you know, I, but I think I think he was really good, and you know, uh, moving forward, you'd you'd like to see him play more of those games. But uh, I think teams will start will continue to cotton on and put players on him and try and shut him down because he is so damaging with that big long boot when he uh, when he's on. Yep. Let's let's let them do that and uh, see whether we can get even more out of O'Shea than we have been. Exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even the toll defenders did a fantastic job as well. I thought Tommy Cleary played a really good game on McCartan. Um, Trengove just did his job and you know was super consistent. And it was great to see um, Jackie Homsch back to his best. You know he absolutely murdered um, Josh Bruce out there. Yeah, uh, Bruce has been one of the better better toll forwards all year. I guess maybe gone a bit under the radar given how um, how St Kilda have been playing, but uh, he's been fantastic. And it was a really good scout for Homsch, I think. Um, 
Mm. I think uh, 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 Trengove, especially early, set up the start of our game by taking a lot of really good contested marks uh, or, or intercept marks across half back, which uh, I think got us to a good lead before St Kilda even ever get into the game because he just cut off every attack. So Trengove very early on set us up, I think, and that was that was where he was at his best. Uh, but overall, really good. Again, another position we won comfortably. So really good. With a fair bit of help from from the Hoff dropping back there, especially in the second half. Uh, yeah, he, <laughs> he, he played one of those games, didn't he, West Hoff, that yeah. he, we know he can play, and he, he doesn't do it as often as we'd like, but he's def- I mean, he's got that ability just to do the miraculous and just be everywhere at once, and you know, the the spoil the spoil for the for the dribble goal was amazing, and yeah, you just want to see more of that from him. Uh, I don't know how we. Can you imagine what type of player Justin Westhoff would be if he was a good tap rockman? He'd, well, he'd be a yeah, 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 absolutely. Because he he just he just mismatches everywhere. It doesn't matter where he's playing. He if he switched on and he wants to be, he can beat any opponent because he can beat him on the ground or beat him in the air. There's there's no one who has his skill set uh, as well as well as he does, and he's an elite runner as well. So even if someone's playing well on him, he can run them all over the park and tie them out. So. You just wish he'd uh, be a bit more consistent and play that sort of game a bit more often because he was fantastic. Yeah, I reckon you're probably kidding yourself if you think we're ever going to see consistency from him, though. You're going to have to take the batter. Uh, well, if he could just play that well, that well in a grand final for us, that'll do. Yeah. He can, just, he can be terrible and inconsistent up to then, but I just want to see one of those uh, you know, chess queen-type performances in, uh, in a big game, uh, hopefully a grand final one day. We bossed them in the midfield. Um, it was great to see Loby and Ryder um, sort of do a, a good tandem job and, and help win the clearances by 10. And, you know, we dominated in contested possessions as well. And, you know, I had to sit down and compose myself once again. Loby took a mark inside 50 and slotted a goal. It was, um, you know, a fantastic sight to see. Uh, I think Loby's always, actually always been quite a good kick for goal. He just never takes marks, so we don't see it very often. Yeah, I think he's actually one of the better set shots in our team. He just... He just does not mark the ball. But obviously the contestant mark he took was a fantastic one and, yeah. and, and, a, and a tough mark for anyone. So maybe, I guess he would probably know as well as anyone that he doesn't take enough marks. And I'm sure the coach just talks to him about it. So whether it's in his head or something like that, hopefully it's the kind of thing that he knows about and he's going, yep, all right, I've taken one now. And he's taken a few in the last couple of weeks uh, yeah. against some weaker yeah. opponents, but still he has. So hopefully that's something he's you know he can go forward with and go yep yeah, I'm someone who can take a contested mark and I'll actually bother to put my hands up and and they'll stick so because if if he adds that to his game he becomes an elite ruckman uh, as far as I'm concerned um, that's no that's doubt. probably the biggest issue for him I think so the thing that's always frustrated me about him too is like there are certain players who you know can never take an overhead mark um, they just they just look like they never will, but he he kind of seems to get like seventy five percent of the way through taking a mark, and then something bad happens. It's just it's that's a the frustrating thing. Yeah. That is yeah, so frustrating. Yeah. Different yeah. to the players who just flat out can't take an overhead mark. Um, he yeah, he's just most of the way there. He doesn't like anything obviously in height or in or in strength or in or in courage. Um, and these are these are the things that you know that overhead contested marks are made of. So yeah. <laughs> it's just that, well, it's not that, even contested marks; it's his uncontested marks as well. He often sort of yeah. you know, goes to take a mark and sort of fumbles it over the boundary. And yeah. he had one uh, yesterday where he almost took a mark um, in the defensive uh, goal square and um, dropped it. But thankfully, we had a player at the back and who picked it up and sort of uh, ran off with the bowl just to uh, to mop it up. So that was good. But 
you know, he's in wonderful form. He's, I think he's taken his average marks this year from 1.2 to 1.3 a game. So you know, he's in uh, absolutely ripping form. Uh, trying to mark the ball is great. Uh, the other you midfielders, know, I mean, it was, you go, oh, Matt. Sorry. Moby just seemed to be a bit more competitive yesterday as well. Maybe yep. the uh, getting to play against Sean McKernan and the confidence that came with absolutely beasting someone um, for the first time all year for him, probably. I mean, I, I guess he came he came back from an injury earlier in the year, and maybe he's just working his way in now because we're starting to see the Loby that we saw last year. So, and that sort of competitive spirit, and maybe that'll all it'll all come together towards the end of the season. So, I definitely hope so. It seems strange when you're talking about a ruckman that like the thing that tells me that Loby is is in good form and is and is taking the game really seriously is when he's kind of down on all fours at the bottom of the pack and using that <laughs> body to bash other people out the way, um, which is, yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange kind of, um, uh, strange kind of thing to say about a Ruckman, but um, yeah, it's always been the case. Yeah, absolutely. Just that competitiveness. The two big guns in the middle were fantastic. Travis Boak and, uh, and Robbie Gray. I think they shared something like um, 20 clearances and, Almost 30 uh, contested possessions between them. And, you know, Robbie Gray, it was maybe a little bit wasteful in the first half, but his second half was just about the best game of footy he's ever played. Uh, he just ran the game. Uh, he had his own footy out there. It was absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, teams can't know they can't really tag him because he just goes forward and becomes another Chad Wingard up there. So but it's almost like they think if we tag Boak, we'll just deal with what Gray's going to do. But, yeah. you know... Uh, how long that keeps keeps happening, I'm not sure because you know if he's getting 12 clearances and you know 37 touches a game and just absolutely dominating. Uh, I, I think teams will be going into games not really knowing what they're going to do to stop him at this at this stage. And he's playing uh, Gary Ablett football basically. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's been brilliant. I think I think if uh, he'd be if we were a little bit higher up the ladder, he'd be a lock for all Australian. But just because we're a bit lower, I think maybe he's not. But just he, he's, he's as good as he was last year, I think. He's been equally as good. He's certainly around the mark. I think he'll either be just in or just out, I reckon. Yeah. No, definitely in the squad. Um, obviously, Chad's our lock. But uh, definitely in the squad. I think if you look at his numbers, it, it, it's pretty hard to leave him out. He's, he's such a good inside mid and still averages a lot of goals as well. So, yeah, yeah. hopefully. I can't add to that. I mean, it, it's just it's just breathtaking. It's a privilege to be able to view um, uh, the the player that Robbie Gray has become over the last two years. Uh, yeah, just enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> yeah, That's absolutely. It. Speaking about Wingard, he kicked another four goals. You know, which team is it going to be? Which stops Chad Wingard next? Because he's, um, I think, he's kicked the most goals out of anyone in the competition over the last ten weeks. Uh, yeah, I think the stat was he hadn't kicked less than three goals for eight weeks. I think eight games in a row where he's hit three-plus goals, which is, um, you know, that's like old-school, you know, mid-'90s key forward numbers, let alone uh, yeah. let alone a small forward in 2015. So, uh, And the fact that he's still getting – I mean, how many touches does he end up with? Uh, only 15 today, but he's still averaging over 20 touches uh, and, and doing that sort of thing. It's just ridiculous. And he is – Genuinely one of the best players in the NFL at the moment. Uh, he's just so damaging. doesn't matter whether we're getting pasted or whether we're, whether we're dominating. He just contributes every week uh, and he finds a way. And, you know, if, if he does get a really good defender that shuts him down up forward, he'll go into the middle and get 30 touches and five clearances and, and dominate that way. So, yeah, he's just unstoppable, I think, at the moment. Mm. Do you guys see him moving into being a, a, a prime midfielder within the next couple of years and, and staying away from the forward one more or... Do you think he'll always be that uh, that back and forth? 
Depends who can take over his role up forward, really. I mean, I think that's the most important thing. If someone like, you know, either uh, Jakey Need or Carl Amon or Jesse Palmer can come in and be that sort of player that can kick 30, 35 goals a year, um, then we will be able to move Chad Wingard into the midfield um, full-time. And, you know, he's such a fantastic and dominant midfielder as well. But, you know, maybe we'll see him sort of do what Robbie Gray did last year and play maybe a 50-50 role and, you know, pick up his sort of 25 touches and still kick, you know, 30, 35 goals a year. Maybe that's right. I, look, I see him as a as an Ackermanis clone, basically, uh, and yeah. or I think probably the Ackermanis um, Ackermanis Brent Harvey type player, where he's always going to be a you know a high half forward type, but he can go into the midfield if he needs to. Uh, he's always going to be dominant up forward, um, pro- probably that sort of role where he doesn't ever really need to commit to one because he's he's so good at doing both at the same time. And we've got so, I mean we do our midfield doesn't always play the best, but we've got a lot of good players in there. Uh, especially with the likes of Polak to come back and that sort of thing. Um, so, look, I'd, I, I'd expect that he stays as that kind of high half forward and, and keeps kicking three goals a game and, and getting 20 touches, and that's probably where he's most damaging. I, I think taking him away from either position would uh, would be a shame because he's, he's so good at doing both of them, you know? But how's he going to win his Brownlows if he's not a full-time midfielder? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's I mean, it. It, 15 years ago, but Ackermanis did do it. So, <laughs> and, I, I, and, I, and that's the kind of player I've, I've been hoping he's going to become for, you know, and he's 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 pretty well there, isn't he? He's, he's just that kind of, uh, he maybe doesn't quite have the electric pace, but just the, the consistency and the ability to regularly do the uh, uh, the, the ridiculous. He's, um, yeah. he's like the Steph Curry of the AFL. He's that sort of player. <laughs> yeah. Good call. Well, is there anything else you guys want to touch on? For the, uh, uh, the power game? I'm yeah. going to say uh, say something that my, my mum said to me on the way out is that she reckons Brad Ebert might have a bit of a Daniel Pierce eye problem, like seeing a vision problem, I guess. I totally agree. Um, <laughs> Uh, because, I mean, I think the, the story goes for those who haven't heard it is that uh, Pierce didn't get drafted. I think we took him in the rookie draft and we took him on and realized very quickly that he couldn't see very well and then turned him into the uh, the rising star the next year by fixing his eyes. And Ebert's gone from a player with great vision who, you know, I mean, yeah, just, just had a good – and he's still got a nice kick on him, uh, but he's doing a bit of the uh, – the Ben Jacobs at the moment, or he's he's doing a nice long, lovely kick straight to an opposition player, um, yeah. and he's still he's still really competitive. He's still an elite overhead player for his size, and he still runs really hard. But he just seems to just they're not they're not scuffed turnovers or bad kick turnovers. It's almost like he meant to kick it there, but it just went to a place that that wasn't ideal. So maybe we should be looking at getting his eyes tested. Uh, and this is something my mum said to me on the way out of the ground, and I couldn't oh, I really think something there because, I mean, you say he's an elite overhead player, and he, he often is, but he also has the odd game here and there where he just doesn't take an overhead mark at all, whether he's under pressure or not. Um, they, th- those games happen, and I've always like I've been wondering if it isn't you know a, a vision thing because obviously he lacks nothing in strength, he lacks nothing in courage. Um, so yeah, I mean um, that could be it. <laughs> Seriously, it's, it's just the only thing I can think of that uh, that would explain wh- why he goes from his best to his worst. Yeah. Um, and I'm not yeah. sure if there's a different time of day where he's a better player or he can't. You know, I don't know. But he was all right. Uh, uh, against the Saints, but he still did a couple of those kicks just straight to a, a Saints player or, or straight to a, a you know a, where a Saints player could cut it off. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Hopefully something can sort it out because an on-song on Brad Ebert makes us so dangerous um, and just gives us another dimension in the way that he can run and create space. 
um, and you know, and, and run a creative space and take marks, I guess, where other players wouldn't be able to do, and, and then create further space by doing that. So, you'd hope we can sort him out, whatever whatever the issue is. I almost think he might be running too hard and sort of tiring him, himself out too quick because he sort of follows the same path every game where he has this fantastic first quarter and then he just slowly sort of, you know, it just sort of degrades and then he starts turning it over and, you know, I don't know if it's if it's a fitness thing or whether he, um, you know, whether he just sort of burns his sort of petrol tickets too early in the, in the game. I'm, I'm not too sure, but he also follows this, he's followed the same sort of path the last two seasons where he's had this absolutely ripping first sort of, six or seven games and everyone's sort of talking about him you know possibly being in the old Australian squad and then he just you know again very slowly goes downhill and the last two years he's had a really big end to the season and a pretty good final series and you know he probably won't get that chance this year but I don't know if it's um if it's maybe a fitness thing it, I mean, it could be. Uh, he definitely is one of the hardest workers in the team, uh, and he just he doesn't he hasn't seemed to have lost a lot with that. And he's still always trying to create space and, and putting distance on his opponent. So, yeah, look, it could be because uh, because as you say, uh, the eyesight thing doesn't explain why he's good in some games and not good in others, other than maybe luck. So <laughs> there's clearly an underlying issue though, and maybe maybe that's it. And maybe we need to to rein him in a little bit. Um, or also maybe he's a uh, He's done that by, you know, with, with White not on the side. Uh, he's had to do a lot more of the running and uh, and maybe that's tying him out. So, stuff to know. I guess the only other thing I want to mention is Jakey Needy had possibly his best game in AFL level. Very, very possible, except for maybe the final last year against Richmond. But, you know, it was certainly one of his best four-quarter efforts. Um, and it was great to see him bounce back after last week where he sort of got all his touches in one quarter and was uh, pretty invisible for the other three. Yeah, I think as a small forward, you, for, as long as they're not do, they're not too invisible, you can you can accept that because sometimes obviously you're going to be in the right place at the right time. But I definitely think I've noticed a change in his ability to to crumb, and this is what I think probably why we took him and why we play him and what we hope he will become is a real genuine Ballantyne style cl- crumbing forward. And I think he's kicked a few goals and uh, yeah, his last few goals have been that sort of goal. And you know, if he'd snapped over his shoulder instead of giving it to to Ryder, he would have had another one as well. So. Yeah. Um, and, and look, maybe he's finding space in the in the forward fifty because St Kilda and Essendon aren't good enough to defend. But and, and maybe he'll struggle against teams that are able to get more numbers back. But he just seems to be finding more space. Uh, and when he does get the ball, creating himself some space. You know, like the uh, we, we talked about it last week again. I'm not sure if it came through before uh, we got cut off. But uh, that goal after Wingard's almost mark was uh, where he you know weaved around one guy, shook a tackle. Uh, and then snap time was was a classic small forward crumbing goal and the kind of kind of goal you'd expect to see from someone like Ballantyne. So if he can start doing that more often, uh, you know, and in addition to what or his already really good defensive uh, forward to fifty defensive pressure, he becomes a really good player for us. So hopefully this is the sign of things to come going forward. Yeah, that that is really um, it, it is really exciting that he's um, starting to develop that part of his game because, I mean, people always always talk about crumbing being an instinctive thing but and you know there is an instinctive element to it but it, it's also very much a matter of, of, of discipline and, and thinking your way through things and putting yourself in the right position so it actually is the kind of thing that can be that can be coached and, and taught and um, yeah it seems that they put in some work in that part of his game and it's really paying off yeah absolutely well, let's talk, uh, talk about the Magpies for a little bit. Um, they played Central Districts. It was good to see them bounce back with a win. They won 12 goals, 7 to 9 goals, 8. 
Uh, Mitch Harvey and Robbie Young kicked three goals each, whilst uh, Louis Sherrod and Anthony Beamers kicked two as well. Mitch Harvey, another three goals. It's um, great to see him um, in the goal scorers once again. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm I'm campaigning for either him or Butcher to be picked every week. So three goals, uh, you know, the excuses to not pick him, apart from the fact that we've actually won a game, uh, are getting thinner and thinner. You know, uh, he he plays in the ruck, so I don't. I'm not really buying the, the 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 idea that he doesn't have a tank. If he doesn't rest him up forward, you know, we, we managed to play all last year in in a year that was really important with uh, with Ollie Wines playing what 70% game time. So if we can do that, then we can do the same thing with Harvey and and you know get some games into him because you know uh, I've said this a lot. Uh, on the forum that uh, the SNFL is not a key forwards league because of the way that uh, they play AFL-style team defence, but the kicking is still very much SNFL quality. So getting through an AFL-style team defence with poor kicking means that it's just harder to make room and find room for uh, for, a key, for key forwards. And if you look at the, the key forwards that are kicking lots of goals, oh, well, when I, when I say lots of goals, the, the keepers that are kicking the most goals, they're not lots of goals. Uh, you know, they're, you know they're, they're kicking 60 goals in the season and that's, that's a big season apparently. So... Um, definitely over the last few years, it's been difficult. So, look, if he's in the form he's in, I, I think, you know, it, it'll almost be good to have, and the fact that we've finished the season, always be good to have a, you know, a one-week injury or something like that to someone like a Westhoff or a, or a Schultz, just so we can get Harvey in, because there's really no reason not to be playing him other than, uh, than we've got everyone up there. And um, I guess, look, you know, we had Ryder out and we chose to pick um, Paul Stewart, which was the biggest waste of time I can ever think of, uh, apart from, maybe giving Stuart the one last crack. Harvey really should have been in. And I love the form he's in. And I really want to see him in the AFL side. Yeah. He's probably just unlucky at the moment now because of um, how good Ryder, Schultz and Westhoff have worked as a, as a trio up forward in the last sort of three or four weeks. Yeah, absolutely, and and Lobie coming back into form as well. As you know, I, I was a I was kind of advocate advocating that Ryder would play more as a ruckman, and we could bring another forward in. But Lobie's picked up his yeah. game. Ryder's shown how you know some glimpses of what sort of key forward he could be, uh, and we've just found a lot more space and we've created a lot more space. So I hope we can get him a game. But I, I understand in the form we're we're in at the moment how we might not be able to. It'll be really interesting to see what happens at the point where we. Mathem, you know, if and when we become mathematically incapable of making the eight, whether that changes the selection policy and all. I, I mean, I for one would be extremely disappointed not to see Mitch Harvey if, if that happened. If, yeah, you know, if, if we're still a chance, then you know, I guess I can, I can, I can live with not seeing him. But um, yeah, come on. <laughs> it's great to see a ruckman dominate. I mean, they won the, they had more than double the um, hitouts than what uh, Central Districts did. Um, you know, Redden had a really good game, 30 uh, hitouts and a goal. Uh, Billy Frampton as well had 32 touch, uh, 32 hitouts as well. I guess um, maybe a disappointing thing was Tommy Jonas had just the seven touches, and whilst he's a defender and obviously disposals isn't all that important, it would have been good to see him sort of get a bit more of the ball and have more than one kick. Yeah, I have to admit, like I, I was there, and um, it came as something of a surprise to me to realise afterward that Jonas actually played. So um, that's probably not a good sign. Did he blanket an opponent? Because, I mean, I I know Jonas, when he first started in the AFL side, was very much a one-dimensional shutdown player, and he slowly brought that kind of offensive side out. Uh, But making sure that his his shutdown side was the most important thing. So maybe we're bringing him back to basics and we're just saying, forget about getting the ball, just shut that guy out of the game. So how was he defensively? Can't say I would have taken too much notice, I'm afraid. Okay. It was all that free. Maybe that's a, 
<laughs> maybe that's a good thing. Maybe, that, maybe it's good that we didn't notice him because he just cut his play out of the game. But in principle, um, you're, you're dead on there. Yeah. yeah. Goal was pretty good as well. He had 18 touches. It's good to see him get amongst the disposals again, and you know, hopefully, we can see a bit more of him at AFL level before the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. I think he was unlucky to be dropped. Uh, I, I, you know, he's got a lot of pace and gives us a little bit of X factor on the outside. And I'd like, yeah, I'd like to see more of him. Definitely. Uh, it was just, it was a shame that he was dropped when he was. Let's not forget a fairly decent showing by Butch down back. Oh, <laughs> which was kind of interesting to see. Get in there, Scorcher. Ah, oh, look, uh, I, I wanted to be picked as a forward, but, you know, if, if he's offering something down back, uh, especially given that we're playing so many, we play so many down back and we've had Carlisle out, so Cleary's had to come up and then we're looking at guys like Austin uh, as as lead defenders, uh, you know, I'd be happy to maybe, I mean, I, I'd like to see him picked and play and have a really good career, but at the very least, maybe we could look at rookieing him and, and using him in that role, potentially. Uh, he definitely looks a lot more confident in the, in the, in the games I've seen, uh, and, and we have been saying for quite a while that he's a confidence player, so uh, maybe chucking him down back and just getting his hands on the ball uh, might be the best thing for him, but just the way they've used him, I feel like they may have just ruled a line through him and thought, well, we'll give Harvey a go out forward and we'll just chuck him down back where we need someone and he'll go at the end of the year, so I'd be interested to see. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't, I, instinctively right now, though, I think if, um, all right, I'll say it, I think he'll actually be retained on the senior list next year. Um, and I think he'll it, that will be largely because he'll continue on in the current role and, and uh, you know, show that he, you know, can get back to the fundamentals of the game and not having not have to worry about actually actually kicking goals for, for a little while. Um, That's crazy talk, Raman. And you should feel bad. <laughs> He's gone. He is as gone as anyone has been gone, I reckon. I reckon I, in your list next year. I am a card-carrying flag-bearer of the Pro Butcher fan club, and uh, I can't see him being on the list. I can see him on the rookie list. Um, yeah, I can see him on the rookie list. That's the funny I mean, thing. Just, just because you can never have enough good forwards or good or good tools, basically. And, and you know, we look how thin we look uh, down back um, as soon as we lose one and we have to move someone up. So... I, I would hope he'd be retained in that role uh, just because, yeah, I'm a big fan and I want him to do well. But I, I'd struggle to see him on the senior list. Maybe on the maybe on the rookie list. I'm not hopefully he... fan as you what are. sort of reaction are we going to get if Sam Gray gets upgraded and Johnny Butcher ends up on the rookie <laughs> list? Uh, look, uh, you're, you're a moderator, aren't you, Maka? I'm just, I'm just going to say, please don't ban me. You'll have plenty of reason to do it. But just think about all the good things I post and, and try to ignore the vitriol that comes out of my keyboard uh, if, if that happens. Um, yeah, look, that's yeah. You, I think everyone who's who's read the forums ever in any thread about totally unrelated stuff would know how I feel about the whole situation. I definitely make it clear. So, I, I'd, I'd hope he'd be retained in some way because he's starting to look like he he might belong down back a little bit. He's been named in the best a bunch of times, which was uh, a lot of the criticism when he was kicking all those goals and leading the uh, the Ken Farmer Medal last year was oh he hasn't been named in the best and you know uh, goals don't count if they're just cheapies over the top they have to be certain kinds of goals for them to be worth six points apparently uh, but the fact that he's getting named in the best means that the coaches are happy with what he's doing so maybe you know maybe they'll see you know that he's he's coming to that age where tall players start to to really come on. Um, and maybe they think, oh, we've just seen something we like, and maybe we'll rookie him or keep him on the senior list, even. But Market yeah, we'll see, we'll see how he finishes the season. Senior list, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon if there was a bookie on it, they would have paid out already on Johnny Butcher getting delisted. 
I tend to agree. Uh, but mm. hey, look, I, I can would... see him at a different club. I can see someone like Carlton or Brisbane. Um, That's actually literally the reason why I don't. Maybe think someone else getting. I don't think we will rookie him because we'll be afraid that someone else will get him. So I think yeah. we'll retain him on a minimum contract on the senior list. Uh, I think we've probably got enough players that we can delist now that, you know, we've got to make the three changes. I know earlier in the year we are all very kind of brash and boorish and saying, oh, you know, we won't have enough players to delist because all of our players are guns. But I think there's definitely some players that, that are very obvious outs for me. So I think we've got room for him if we want him. <clears throat> It'll just depend on how deep the draft is and stuff like that. And I've, I've heard that the draft isn't particularly deep, not that I know really anything about it. Um, but, you know, if we think we can get, a player better than him with the last pick, our last pick in the draft, then that's what we should be doing. But uh, if, if not, uh, they should be hanging on to him, absolutely. Especially with the, the list profile where it is, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if if we are thinking of giving him another year next year, which I don't think we are, but if we are, then <laughs> the last sort of six or seven weeks with him playing at fullback has been a complete waste of time because he's not going to get a game as a defender at AFL level. Well, theoretically not, but I mean, okay, say for example, we were with the same injuries we've got and we were 11 and 5. So we're looking at uh, 11 and 6 and and looking at making the finals and we've already lost Carlisle and had him out. And then say, for example, Homsch goes out down injured for the rest of the year and we've got him and Carlisle out. We've got to bring up a defender. Who comes in at this stage? Jonas? Yeah. Based on what? Based on... He's the uh, he's the hitman. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if, if we were picking players based purely based on a cool nickname, then Rex Banner would never be listed. So. Um, no, look, I, I, I tend to agree. I think they would go with Jonas, but I think obviously Butch has been playing better, and he's been been named in the best, uh, as I said. So they're clearly happy with how he's playing. So. Uh, oh look, hey, it could still happen, couldn't it? You know, where we lose a couple of, uh, get a couple of tall defensive injuries in the last few weeks, and maybe he'll get another game playing down back, and it'll be like, you know, a bizarro world, and no one would really know what to say because uh, everyone who's making any sort of argument, that was probably not the argument that was going to be made. That maybe one day he'd come in as a defender. So it'd be it'd be definitely good fun time to be on the uh, the port board. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I reckon we might. Uh... Might call it quits there and um, and uh, shut off the podcast. Thanks, boys, for coming on. Yeah, no Thanks worries. for having us again. Thank Any you very time. much. And until next time, can the pair. Can the pair. Not a long kick of the ball. Think about going short. He's got Lobie inside 50. Ignores that. Keeps it low. Wingard takes off. Hands it up the boat. The captain sees Westhoff. He's in the square. He doesn't need him! 